Welcome to Just Joy Conversations, where I seek to unite, inspire, and enlighten regardless of what you look like or believe or who you love, one conversation at a time. Check out my introductory podcast on JustJoyConversations.com to learn more about my vision. Okay, hello everybody and welcome to the first podcast of Just Joy Conversations. You'll be able to interact with people that you hear on this podcast on our social media. And so without further ado, we're going to get started. Today, we're going to be talking about, everybody knows about UFAM. And when I started UFAM out, it initially was because I wanted unity for everybody, no matter what they thought or what their beliefs were, just unity when people agree to disagree. And then I thought about it and I said, I don't think I want to necessarily talk about unity every single day because there's so much more that the world needs to talk about and experience and have a listening ear about. So what we're gonna do today, we're gonna talk about some of the things that have divided the country over the last few years, but with a different twist. So none of these people have ever met before that we'll be talking to today. They are all people that have been an important part of my life at some point, some mean, but they're nice now. And I love all of them for who they are, but I don't agree with all of them and they don't all agree with each other. So when I say unity for America matters, it stems from the hurt I've felt, seen, and sometimes contributed to by engaging in heated Facebook and Twitter debates. But as an unapologetic Christian, I realized that by doing that, I was being a hypocrite. We're all called to love our neighbor, period. So not love thy neighbor only if they agree with what we say or are the same color as we are. So what that means is if I see a car in front of me with a Confederate flag flying on it and a Trump 2024 bumper sticker on it and they get T-boned right in front of me, I've got to get out and do the right thing and help that person if I can. Now that's not a popular thing to say, but that's just joy. If Putin decides to come over here causing chaos, we are all going to have to unite, you know, just like we did during 9-11 as Americans. So let's get to it and find out who today's peanut gallery or just joy gallery is going to be. We have a white female, two black males, a black female, and me. One person is gay. One person was Jewish, he's not on here, but one person believes in the universe. One person is Moorish. And one person is a believer, I think. But none of this really matters, but I just want everyone to see how different this group is. We have Michael, we have Treva, we have Bandelay, and we have Miriam. I'm sure we will learn something from each of them, even if we don't agree with them. So listen closely and let's dive in to our first divisive question. And these are questions that 
have pretty much divided us over the past two years. And this isn't a debate necessarily, but it's just really for us to be able to hear why people think what they think and maybe learn some knowledge from these responses. So the first question is, what are your thoughts about what happened after George Floyd was killed and people took to the streets? How did that make you feel? How did you feel about all of that? Let's start with Michael. Well, my initial thoughts about the situation just brought back uh, memories from when we were younger, when we were kids, and the first time we saw Rodney King on TV being handled and addressed the way that he was being addressed. And we like to believe and we like to think that there's so much that has changed, but sometimes we're confronted with the reality that maybe not as much has changed as we think. And so that was my initial thoughts on, on the incident itself. And then the response was very similar to what, again, what we had seen before. And as a black community, sometimes I think, you know, we have to really do a little bit better job of reflecting on our history and not repeating the same mistakes. Right, right. Tearing up your own community because you don't like something that happens or allowing your community to be torn up because something happened that you don't like happened sends a message, but it can kind of be counterproductive and you end up affecting small businesses of minority people in your community that have to get do a lot to try to get those businesses back up and running as opposed to maybe taking your message to the streets in a different way. Right, right. And I, I totally agree with everything that you said. So, Miriam, what are your thoughts? How did you feel after people took to the streets after George Floyd? Well, first off, I was very upset when George Floyd was murdered. As they had repeated multiple times on the news, he cried out for his mother. And I'm a mom. That was rough. I have children and I have a husband. And I have seen with my own eyes how I'm treated differently sometimes than they are. My son and my husband have been pulled over for nothing before where that doesn't happen to me. So I see that a lot of times we live in a different world. I disagree with the vandalism. I do understand anger. I am a firm believer in peaceful protests though. You know, I think we can do a lot better with making it easier for people to have peaceful protests, but I am against vandalism because that hurts a lot of businesses. And I am a person that normally outside of COVID actually works downtown where the vandalism occurred. One of the biggest things that happened that changed my life though with the George Floyd murder is we actually stopped going to our church of 10 years because of the way many people at that church reacted, differences of opinions. And so we left a church of 10 years primarily over that. So when you mentioned your husband and your son, are they black? Yeah, my husband is. And so our son, you know, is black and white. My kids are pretty fair skinned. So sometimes people aren't sure what, what their background are when they see our children. And people will just ask them. Even people of color will ask them. They're not sure, you know. 
you know, my husband was also in Department of Corrections. He's a retired SWAT commander. But that doesn't mean everywhere he goes that people know his background. So to some people, he is a black man and they know nothing about what a fine human being my husband is. And he is the best of the best. So my husband has been pulled over and questioned and has done nothing and because they just see somebody in a car. And so that makes me angry because I didn't grow up with that kind of background. So for me, that is shocking to see this happen because I was not treated that way. So it's shocking to me and it makes me angry. And I think it makes me more angry than it does them. Okay, and we'll circle back around, but let me get Treva and Mandalay's opinions in. Mandalay, how did you feel? My initial feelings of the incident was upset and frustrated. You know, when I saw them go to the streets, I mean, I, I don't know. I really didn't have a feeling about it. It was something that I was used to seeing. It's not the first time that we've seen the brothers and sisters go out and um, protest in the street. When it comes to the vandalism, I'm not necessarily for the vandalism, but I truly understand that there is a frustration amongst melanated people that goes back, if not decades, but maybe perhaps centuries of the frustration that they have with this country and particularly with the police department. You know, I often um, think about that this is nothing new because we also, we've had the Black Panther Party to come together for the same purpose, for the same reason. So when you see that there's, you go back to the Panther Party in the 60s and the 70s, and you come up to the 2000s and you see that there really hasn't been any change in the policy of the police, mm-hmm. you become frustrated. And when you get frustrated, you may do things that out of frustration to really just get the attention of the people in the world so they can see what's going on. You know, I kind of understand why they did what they did. Gotcha. And Ms. Treva, what are your thoughts? How did you feel? I can totally agree with uh what Brother Brandele was saying, having gone through the first, I guess, civil rights thing, I, I guess I never thought I would, we would be here again. And when I saw what the murder of George Floyd, I was angry and frustrated for that very reason, because I didn't think that we would still be here all these years later, still dealing with these same issues as a melanated people. I don't agree with the violence, and the, but I understand it. And how do you contain that kind of the rage that you feel, especially when it was right there on TV, millions and millions and millions of people watched that ritual that I believe was there to spark the agenda oh you said the a word we'll circle back around to that too but for those people that might be listening that don't know what is melanated what does that mean melanated i mean as a person with uh, as me or even if you look at um, brother mike you know we have a a dark hue of skin which shows a heavy amount of concentration of what we call melanin Melanin is the 
substance that makes us dark, but it also is what creates color. I mean, you know, there's color, there's melanin in, in your hair, whether you're white or black, so-called white or black, that those colors come from melanin. So when we say melanated people, we're talking about so-called black, because we don't, I don't use the word black to describe people. It's a, that's the color of a crayon, you know, black, white, yellow, those are colors in a Crayola box. So when I'm not a color in that way. So we use a, a more specific term to describe us here. Okay. I got you. So would I be considered melanated or in the middle? I mean, you were melanated as well. I mean, I was not to exclude you or whatnot, but I mean, anybody who's you know got a more of a hue, it could be dark brown to light brown. If you can see there's melanin in you, then you would be considered some type of melanated person. Okay. So, well, thank you all for answering that first question. What we'll do is after we ask all the questions, then we can comment on what we've heard that might have sparked another question from one of the people that are here chatting. So second question, why were you for or against wearing a mask? And we'll start with you, Treva. Okay. I mean, I was okay with wearing a mask, I guess, even though there is a lot of people, a lot of people dying. I'm not sure what they were dying of, but they were dying. But the thing is, is people were dying anyway. People were dying consistently. It's just that the focus was on all the people that were dying. When we were younger, people died around us all the time. We didn't pay that much attention to it. I think the older we get, it becomes more prominent and more in focus in our minds as we question our own mortality. So I think anything that you could do, whether the mask worked or not, I mean, when I went out, I wore it. When I was in my house, I didn't. If I went someplace and they required it, I had one in my truck and I would use it. So I just think it was like a really a non-issue. It was just another distraction. Okay. Mr. Perry, what do you think? My sentiments are right down that same line. I mean, I didn't get the either side of the fence about what the ire was about, because if a place required you to wear a mask in their place, wear a mask in their place or don't go. To feel as if everyone should wear a mask because you're wearing a mask is kind of like, well, I saw people literally outside with masks on. And I'm like, well, I think that this is probably not the place you need to wear a mask, but you know, and so that wasn't, again, I think something that was just stated was like, that was not the bigger issue. The bigger issue was what is this? How did we get here? And then how do we move forward? And then how do we keep this type of thing from happening again? That was what my thoughts were. And if a byproduct of this was going to be to wear a mask, in certain places, okay, fine. If not, then that's fine too, because there's no scientific study whatsoever that indicates anything great about wearing or not wearing certain masks at all. It was just like <laughs> not even the type of mask that you really need to be wearing for this type of thing. But if it made people feel more comfortable and whatnot, I had no problems with it one way or the other. It was not the biggest issue in this thing for me. Okay. And I keep hearing 
sub topics about something being a bigger distraction or what was the whole COVID thing in general. So y'all can speak on that after we finish up with the main questioning. So Miss Miriam, what are your thoughts about that? So we were definitely mask wearers and we had already been reading a friend and I at work back in like December about COVID. And, you know, we were telling our coworkers when it hits here, it's going to hit hard, blah, blah, blah. Before the shutdown happened here in Ohio, I was like, Monday, we're not going to be at work. I'm taking my stuff home, you know, and they're like, you're crazy. You know, it's like, well, no, we also work with people. I work in IT and we work with people in China. So that's why we talked about it a lot. We worked with people that had already been in shutdown in China. We saw what was happening there. So for me, when it hit here, number one priority is making sure my husband's okay. Number one. Okay. He's a wonderful husband. I'm telling you, he's the best poppy in the world to our grandkids. He has an autoimmune disease and he cannot have certain drugs. When they started treating people with COVID, his doctor told him, you cannot have most of these drugs because of your autoimmune disease. And he can't have even aspirin, okay? Certain kinds of drugs he can't have. He told him, he said, if you got it, it's not gonna go well. And to what extent would you go to save the life of someone you love? I'm willing to wear a mask, whatever it takes, because when it's over, I want my husband to still be here. My husband only turned 58 last month. You know, <laughs> my neighbor two houses away died. Okay. He was younger than my husband okay. and he died. So number one, yes, we wore the mask. Yes, I believe they actually work. I believe when the health department people talk to us, they're doing the very best that they can. I don't feel like there was ever an intention to hurt us by wearing a mask. And just one last thing is like when it first started, we were standing outside of a Sam's club waiting to get in. Only so many people could get in. My husband says to the people behind us, we're all wearing masks. And he says, wow, can you believe in the United States you ever thought we'd be doing this? And this other couple says, oh no, I can't believe it. I'm the type of person I turn around and I'm like, I'm like look, I've been to Kenya where people walk like two hours a day just to get water. I think we're going to be okay. We're standing in line at a Sam's club people. So my opinion has also been get over it. I mean, we've lived in Japan when my husband was in the Marines. People wore masks because they had tuberculosis and stuff. Right. Like we come home and we, we were stuck watching Netflix. I mean, okay. We, okay. we need to do better. Don't whine so much. Okay, thank you. And Bandalay, let's get you in. What are your thoughts about it? Well, my thoughts are, I really wasn't a fan of it. And I don't really think it did any, it didn't benefit us. I don't think it did any good, especially, uh, I agree with Mike. We really weren't wearing the masks that were needed to actually prevent the spread. 
So, you know, you got people wearing regular 50 cent surgery mask out here thinking that's going to stop COVID. And it, it really wasn't. Now, but on the other hand, you know, I didn't buck the issue or anything. If you got to go in the store and you got to require to wear a mask and you, you're required to wear a mask. So, I mean, it wasn't a major issue for me, but I didn't see the logic in it myself, personally, especially, you know, me, for me, it's, it's about your immune system. If you, you know, if you've got a good immune system or if you work on boosting your immune system, that has more effect on you catching it than wearing some thin mask, in my opinion. Okay. A little bit about immune systems and other stuff, too, because of your background at the health food store. So, okay, well, so now here's the other question that we'll probably get some more entertaining answers. And that is probably the number one thing that divided the country is our dear friend, Mr. Trump. So this is not a debate question, but I just want to hear your viewpoints of why you liked him and why you didn't. And keep it to five minutes if you can. <laughs> Trevor, we'll start with you. Okay. I thought about this question and I wasn't really sure that I was for or against Trump, but I was definitely against what he represented. Because in my mind, whether it's Republican, Independent, Democrat, they're all different sides of the same coin. They all serve the same master. And none of them are here for us. But the overt, outward racism, misogyny, I can't say that it didn't exist, but they certainly made it, he certainly made it fashionable to be racist and openly racist about it. It's just another way to divide the country, divide it into, you know, the black versus white and this whole farce of white supremacy. When you say farce, does that mean that there's no such thing? Well, in my mind, let's just say if I said, if I use the term black supremacy, in my mind, to me, that means that I am supreme. And so if I truly believe that I am supreme, why would I spend so much energy on someone who's not like me? Because if I did, if I truly believed that I was supreme, then I wouldn't fear anyone or anything at all. So that's why I say it's a fragile myth, because if you really are supreme and if you believe in your supremacy, why all the hatred? and degradation for people who don't look like you. Hmm. Well, that is an interesting point of view. Okay. Wow. Miriam, what about you? What were your likes or dislikes against your former president? Oh, so Joy, I think you know me enough that I was a never Trumper. I was a never Trumper because he had quite a reputation as a businessman. Many people that did business with him felt as if he, well, not just felt, they gave examples of him being dishonest, you know, the lawsuits that he would, you know, file against people that did work for him so he didn't have to pay them for the work. And then the multiple accusations of the amount of things he did discriminating and sexualizing women makes me very angry. I am a woman. And I have a daughter and women don't always feel like they can tell anybody and stuff like that when things happen. So 
I understand. I can relate to that. So that's why I was a never Trumper. And then while he was there, I believe the New York Times documented over 30,000 times he lied while he was in office. They documented every lie. And so he was dishonest all the time. And yes, racism came to the surface. I mean, it was like people crawled out from under the rocks. And not only did that make me angry, it made me so disappointed in people that I know, people that made excuses for him, people in churches, people that are teachers, people that defended him or people that said, no, he's not racist. And I'm thinking, you're kidding me. How can you not think he's not a racist? You know, very upsetting. Okay, so you just didn't I didn't like him beginning and every day I get up and I'm thankful that he is no longer president and I wish he would disappear. And he has severely divided our country. Okay, Miriam, you're cracking me up. Okay, let me see who's next. Ugh, Michael, what are your thoughts? I'm quite sure this is going to get real interesting here. I'd have to first start by saying, you know, having a certain degree been a political scientist, my outlook on politics is completely different than the average person. There is no moral high ground in politics. The notion that something different was different than it was at any other point in time, it was just a relative experience. Because I could say from a race issue, race relations issue, probably during Trump's administration, I probably spent a great quality of time around whites that I don't share 100% political ideology with, but it never really impacted our relations with each other. We had heated debates and conversations and sometimes we agreed on things. So the vitriol about this or that, and I'm like, man, the media has done a great job with this one. My outlook was this. I don't think our country of humans are so stupid that for 10 years prior to 2015, there was a show on TV. And this show for 10 years was the number one rated show in the United States of America. I thought the lead person in the show was one of the biggest assholes that has ever been on TV. But people loved the show. They loved the character. All the rappers have insinuated at points in times that they were the black Donald Trump and that everything Trump was always bigger and better. Oprah has had Trump on her TV show hundreds of times. They are close friends and people know it. It's not unknown. But I felt since I was probably 14 years old when my music that I like was N.W.A. and very politically charged, very aggressive and whatnot, the mainstream media picked up on the misogyny in the music and used that as a sticking point of why that music shouldn't be listened to. We had Guns N' Roses and all these other satanic kind of groups out that were, had all kinds of messages. And they said, Ozzy Osbourne biting off bats heads. They never 
thought one time to ban that music. They came up with the parental advisory, Tipper Gore, the, some of the people, Miss Maxine Waters, C. Dolores Tucker, all of these people came up with, okay, so we're going to attack this music, but this music had a bigger message in it if you could listen to it. But they portrayed it a certain way. And that was the first time I realized that, you know, propaganda and media can make what Malcolm X said, wrong look right and right look wrong. So having that outlook from the very start and looking at this from politics and not believing that there's any moral high ground or any side of the aisle, I'm policy driven. And I would encourage most people to be policy driven, because if you get behind what the policies are about, then you're starting to think politically intelligent in a capitalist democratic society. Those two things don't always jive well together and inherently create a lot of, what shall we say, evils and the devils in the details of a lot of things. And so I thought that the last eight years, everybody's been so emotionally driven that in many instances, they voted against their own better interests. And if we only could look at <laughs> today, <laughs> right now, I suggested, enjoy you knew I, I've done this. I have suggested, if you guys go down this path, this is what will happen. And now everybody's up in arms about what is happening, but I'm like, <laughs> but wait a minute. You can't have your cake and ice cream and eat it too. These people, as has been stated, politicians are the most corrupt people on planet Earth, whichever side of the aisle you think that they're on. They're corrupt. And so it's just like, if a person was going to vote for Trump, as I did the first time around, it was policy driven. The second time around, I did not vote for Trump. I did not vote for Biden, but I did not vote for Trump. So only really leaves you one other major player that was on the docket. And I said, why not throw him a bone? Because boy, we got to choose from right here. We'll see how it go. But I couldn't endorse on the second go around. I could not endorse the lack of awareness about social justice. It didn't have a strong enough platform. And it was a missed opportunity where I thought, in addition to the First Step Act, which did some good in the Black community, certainly, I thought they should have went with a Second Step Act to build on that, which should have dealt with police reform and acknowledging that there is an issue here that is pervasive and that we can't just keep talking about supporting law and order when law and order clearly needs a bit of a makeover. So we've come back around to this. Y'all are saying some very, very interesting points, but we've saved the best for last. Bandelay, come on <laughs> with, your, with your ideas and feelings about Mr. Trump. Well, I think you kind of know I'm kind of in between. I'm probably in between everybody in regards to how I feel. My personal opinion is that most of these presidents, if not all, in my opinion, have been racist. And to me, Trump was no different than most of these presidents, if you want to consider him racist. I tend to look at what he did policy in the office as when you look at what he did in office, I don't really see his policies reflect racism. But what I do see 
is the media was particularly done by liberal liberal media. A lot of the liberal media is what we uh, watch, and they were not a fan of Trump, and you could tell by the constant bombarding of things that he did. I mean, like, I felt like they put a microscope up his behind and tried to get him on everything that he did where another president, let's say Barack Obama, could not do anything wrong in the media. Like, if you, you know, if you watch certain liberal channels, which I'm not going to name, we know. But what I was saying was that, you know, the liberal media constantly bombarded Trump, you know, made him look worse than what I thought he really was. Not to take away from him. I mean, I know he was a narcissist. I know he could be misogynistic and all these things. But I really, when I looked at his policies and what he did, I don't see any racism in his policies. I don't, I didn't really see that. Now, what he said out of his mouth was more entertaining to me than anything. And a lot of things that he did say, I would have to agree with what he said about certain people. I think that Trump is not a politician. He's not like a professional politician. He's an entertainer. He's a businessman, but he's not a politician. So when he speaks, he talks from his heart or a narcissistic perspective, but he doesn't, he's not polished in how he presents himself. And the media took advantage of that, in my opinion. You know, but I'm not saying I'm for or against Trump, I mean, if I had to choose between him and Biden, I'm going to choose Trump over Biden. I mean, like, I don't necessarily agree with um, how, you know, Biden has moved in a lot of ways. But I will, you know, I have to give my props to when they do something right or when they do something wrong. So, you know, I, I do I do understand that Trump also not being a politician, sometimes not being in touch with what's going on all the time. He didn't bring America together. He was divisive in this format when at times, especially when George Floyd situation, I think that was the time for him to try to bring Americans together and look at and stop looking at red and blue and look at us as all Americans and try to bring Americans together. And I don't think he did that well, but I don't think he was as bad as what we say the liberals pointing him out to be. Okay, so can I, I need to do a blood pressure check. Is everybody, you know, normal? 140 over 80? We all good? No blood pressure? We're all good. <laughs> My blood pressure went up. <laughs> That's funny. That called you, Miriam. <laughs> Making sure. So the last question, this one is, this is it's not a divisive question. It's not, it's just a question that I don't even believe that it's caused so much discussion. And it's the whole Will and Jada and Chris. Like, who are you with in this particular little incident that happened? What are your thoughts on that? Because people are talking about it, so I guess I will too. Michael, what do you think about that whole situation? This onion here has so many layers to it that I will try to condense this down in the, and be as brief as <laughs> I can. This has been a train wreck coming down the tracks that nobody's wanted to talk about. Their relationship and their family is very reflective of dysfunction at every point, every level, all the time. And that level of dysfunction exploded on the stage to a very unsuspecting Chris Rock, whom is a better man than me. 
Right. <laughs> you because I can assure you that the Oscars would have never been the same <laughs> after that. Now, I think underneath some of this stuff, Will Smith has been emasculated to the point that he's had a breaking point. Mm-hmm. At every point in turn, his wife feels absolutely comfortable with displaying just such a blatant disregard for this man and his beliefs or his ideologies and his outlooks. And in the times that we live in now, we don't live in a very male-centric acceptance right now. Everything male has an ick or an ajni or something to it. So it's kind of, we're in an awkward phase right now. And so I don't think that you can, you have to be anti-women to be pro-male, right? I, I think in the society that we live in right now, it is a challenge. I mean, you can look at it at every level. In our schools, I've given some conversations about they want to know why males aren't doing well. And this is universally why males aren't doing well in school, white, black, whatever. I'm like, well, the curriculum is very female centric. I mean, you got to sit down. You got to be still. They took out all the vocations. No, there's no recess in certain schools. I'm like, you put boys in these conditions like this is not going to be conducive for that to happen. And so this is just a major reflection of our our society. Then what I was really upset about was there's some level that, so now it's okay to smack a black man on TV? Because I'm wondering if that had been Jerry Seinfeld or somebody of that ilk, would Will Smith have felt comfortable? Would his rationale not have kicked in? Well, like, oh, maybe I can, I know, I know it's over with if that were to happen. So I'll kind of leave it there with those layers. And then if we come back to it, I've got plenty more. Okay. Trevor, what you think about that? Well, I totally agree about the black on black crime that went down in front of millions of people. And I said the same thing. It's like that would have never happened between like Billy Crystal and Tom Hanks. It would never happen. Another instance and an opportunity to humiliate and buck break the black male. And while all this was going on, whoever, who you with, Chris Rock or Will Smith, Jada Pinkett Smith, whoever, none of them's ever paid a bill at my house. So I really don't give a damn what they doing. While all that was going on, while the world was focused on that, the annual government summit was being held in Dubai where all these so-called elites of all the world governments are coming together to decide how our lives are going to be run without our permission. Again, another distraction, just another distraction. So for that point, what do we need to Google to get more information about that? It's called the World Government Summit. It's held in Dubai every year. I think it lasted like a week, maybe. They sit around, they talk about the new world order, the great reset. They talk about education, how they're going to educate the masses, how we're going to eat, how are they going to govern, how they're going to secure us and basically control us while we focused on Chris Rock and Will Smith. Hmm. Okay. Podcasters listening, check out what she just said. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to everybody because 
there's some good knowledge that we don't hear. Like, I'm going to Google that because that's strange to me. But listen to what people are saying on this podcast because they're not stupid people. But last but not least, Miriam, what are your thoughts on the Rock situation? So I agree with a lot of what Michael said. Before we started the podcast, when we were at dinner tonight, I said to my husband, with the things that Will Smith's wife has talked about recently and made public, it made me think that before Chris Rock ever talked, that when Will Smith probably went there, he already probably felt like he had a spotlight on him, you know, because, you know, when, when you've had maybe things that are more embarrassing or whatever out in the news or whatever, you just kind of think every time people look at you, they're talking about you. So he may have already had a little bit of energy in there before what Chris Rock said, which just, you know, made him so close to crossing that line already. And I think it was very wrong what he did. It was very wrong what he did. I hate it because you're right, because hitting another black man just gives other people, especially that are racist, just more fuel for the fire. You know, and I hate that. But what I would like to see, though, I know that Will Smith has apologized, but I would actually like to see them meet in person and apologize to each other, you know. And sometimes, like even with Chris Rock, even if we think, well, he's a comedian and comedians do that. Sometimes, you know, we can apologize to somebody even if we do something and we didn't mean bad intentions, right? you know, it's okay to say, you know, I, I didn't realize how hurtful that would have been. And, you know, I'm sorry that you feel like I crossed the line. And I think that's okay to apologize there too. It's not always about just one person's wrong and we're just going to point at that person. I think if they could mend that situation together as men, let that be what we all remember. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I have to agree with everybody. What everybody said is very valid points. Uh, one thing I can say is you can believe that that probably helped the Oscars because me personally, I, I didn't even know the Oscars was on until he smacked it. So a lot of people really hadn't been watching the Oscars or really had paid attention to it. This really caused a lot of controversy, which, you know, a lot of times when you have controversy, it can be turned into good because you can make, you know, money off of it. You know, that's one thing to think about. But as far as Will, I don't think that was the right thing to do in the right time. Personally, if he had just said, keep my wife's name out of your mouth, if he had just said that, that would have been sufficient enough to get the point across. I don't think he should have went up there and smacked another brother at the Oscars on TV. So, I mean, I think he was wrong for doing that. And I really commend Chris Rock for handling that. Like, and like Mike said, you know, I don't think he could have got that off on me or, I mean, like it's probably 20 other comedians that would have melanated or not, that would have not tolerated that. And for that, I think that Will's got a lot of things to think about. And I also uh, understand that, Jada's been uh in you know doing a lot of things covert and overt in two wheel. You know, I really think this is a family matter 
that had exploded on camera. Yeah. And I don't really, really know what to say about Jada. I mean, I, you know, I kind of look at Jada with a side eye after this, because yeah. even after that, she didn't even defend like her husband did this really for her. And right. then she turns around and kind of throws him under the bus again. Right. And, you know, and she constantly throws him under the bus, you know, so I'm kind of not a fan of Jada. But at the same time, Will keeps taking it. You know, Will, he's still in the relationship with her. So. You don't want to part with that money. She don't want to give her half. Well, I don't know. I mean, he's going to lose out on a lot more money now because, I mean, they're they basically trying to cancel Will. And I don't think they should try to cancel him either. You know, like, you know, every time something happens, you shouldn't be canceled because we're humans. We make mistakes. We shouldn't be, uh, you know, canceled. I agree that there should be some kind of punishment, you know, in place. But you can't keep canceling everybody just because, they do something that you don't like. So, you know, that's where I'm at with it. Okay, Will. So we got all of our questions out, everybody. So you, you've all have proved my point that I was trying to kind of make is that we can talk about stuff. We ain't got to agree with everybody, but everybody look like they still smiling and happy. Miriam, you all right over there? Uh-oh. That's funny. So thankfully, the sermon <laughs> at church this week was about peace and grace and how we should give peace and grace to everyone, whether we agree with them or not. So I wish everyone tonight peace and grace. Okay. Well, do we have anybody that has to say something about what they heard on this conversation tonight that would enlighten us or, I don't know, make us better people when we get off? Anybody? Michael, Treva, Mandalay? I think everybody here has brought some valid points to the table and the whole concept of what you're doing is something that we need to do way more often. I think Abendale just touched on this whole cancel culture and you can't say what I don't like. And I, man, this country, for better or for worse, it was built on civil discourse. They used to have guys that would shoot each other over things. But with that being the case, we've come from that point. But those debates were heated. That convention in Philadelphia, they all didn't agree on everything. That was a topsy-turvy thing. But if no one could say nothing that the other person didn't like, they could have never come up with the union that they've created. And if through the course of the years, we've gotten advance as far as we have and now we're kind of retarding our own growth because we can't act like adults and agree to disagree or find a way to compromise on what we you know okay i'll give you that you give me this and we move forward so just the nature of the dialogue this evening has just been good and i i hope that people that listen really get the point that people can come together have conversations on topics that don't all agree, but you can learn something from anybody. Hell, even if you don't like somebody, you should know why you don't like them. That's right. That's right. Preach. Pass the offering plate. Okay. Trevo, what you have to say? Yeah, I could just pretty much echo what Michael said, um, that we're all able to come together. You have to have dialogue. That's just the thing. And chaos brings peace. You have to shake stuff up and at the same time, be able to work through your differences and um, 
compromise and find a way to compromise. It's really difficult in this day and age, and it's always been really difficult to do that when there's so much pile against you, because we talk about the law of the land, but the law of the land doesn't apply to melanated people. So are we going to be equal? Are we really going to be equal? Are we just going to continue down the same path of destruction, the destruction of humanity? Amen. Okay, Vandalay, Miriam, any final thoughts? I just appreciate the opportunity that you've given us to uh, come together on your platform. The ability for all of us coming from different perspectives, having enough courtesy and understanding or overstanding, as I like to say, for each other to be able to come together and be able to give these various viewpoints and still be able to go about their day with a peace of mind and actually, you know, being able to learn something from it. And I think that's one of the things that we've gotten away. Our freedom of speech is being assaulted through cancel culture, because now you can't speak your mind. You don't have the right to speak on something because if it offends somebody or if it offends a particular group of people, then, you know, your livelihood could be at jeopardy. I just think that we have to be more uh, accommodating to each other and our opinions. This is true. That's the whole, my whole goal of this. So thank you for being a participant. And Miriam. (laughs) So I appreciated hearing everyone's perspectives as well. And it made me want to like, I wish I could meet you in person, each of you, so we could discuss things further you know there's all kinds of things you know like you know we talked about mentioning Donald Trump you know liking policies or whatever and in my mind I'm thinking of things to do with climate change you know I'm thinking of environmental policies that were pulled back so for me you know my reasons weren't just that I think Donald Trump is a racist. You know, I'm a person that believes there's climate change. I work in insurance, those types of things. I see catastrophic losses, the increase that we've had on the insurance industry over the years. So there is financial things too. So I guess what hearing everybody's points of view made me hungry to hear more, you know? So when you say you want conversation, It made me want more conversation. Sometimes I have tried to avoid people because I just don't want to hear it anymore. So conversation with people willing to talk in a civil way is welcoming. That's what I appreciated for tonight. Okay, well, thank you all. You can check us out on Facebook, social media, the conversations, and Instagram. And you also will be able to see how to contact the people that you've heard this evening. We'll see you in the next Just Joy Conversations podcast. Thanks for tuning in.